This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. Do you remember what it was like to be a teenager? For a lot of us, it's a mix of fearlessness and anxiety and nerves. Meanwhile, too many adults around you are telling you to be quiet. Pipe down. Don't do this. Stop doing that. Until you feel like there's no right place for you. In her new book, Rising Troublemaker, Lovey Ajayi Jones wants to help the teenagers in our lives find their own voice, take up space, and even make some trouble. The good kind. Ajayi is an author, speaker, and podcast host, and she walks us through what she calls her Fear Fighter Manual for Teens. First, let me properly give you your flowers. You are not just an author. You are now officially a three-time New York Times bestselling author. How does that feel? It feels surreal. I think, um, I don't think I've processed it yet. It just feels kind of like this really big thing that happened that I just, I'm floating around it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's real. That three-peat is very, very real. Um, I spoke to you last time when uh, you were on for your last book, Professional Troublemaker. That's when it came out last spring. Yes, yes. It was phenomenal. It was funny, so wise. Now you've released Rising Troublemaker. What inspired you to write this Fear Fighter manual for teens? I was inspired by parents who were telling me, you know, I'm sharing this book with my kids because I feel like they need to hear it. And I heard it enough times where I'm just like, you know what? What actually would it be like if we actually got this message before we were all much older, before we were considered adults? What would happen if we knew earlier on that we can take up space without apology? We can be these people who can speak our minds and try to be audacious without feeling ashamed about what makes us different. So I really wanted to ensure that this message got to them, especially Gen Z, who was, I think, the most socially conscious generation yet. Yeah. Um, and I think they have a lot of power and they can wield this. They, they can help us build the world that we want to see. So I want I want them to get this confidence now. They're socially conscious, but there are some fears, right? What would you say teens these days fear? I mean, I don't know if they have any specific fears outside of the usual. I mean, here's the thing, though, I will say that these teenagers, this generation is contending with a lot that we did not. Mm -hmm. So I can't say exactly what they're afraid of besides the, um, the obvious things, climate change, all the different laws happening, but just in their day-to-day lives, they're probably afraid of rejection. They're probably afraid of being too different. They're probably afraid of failing just like we are. I think teenagers and adults, we're all very much the same. We're just taller than them at this point, and we're just older than them. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> Listen, exactly. Not me. True. Some of them are actually taller than me. Yeah, my my but, my daughter is taller than me at this point. See, that makes sense. And I think their fears <laughs> are still kind of what we dealt with. You know, I think about how when we were growing up, we were afraid of, 
you know, what happens if the people closest to us, like our friends, ostracize us? You know, what happens if we don't go into the college that we want to get into? What happens if we don't know what we want to be when we want to grow up? These are all things that continue. And we just did not get given permission early enough that we're supposed to live in this gray zone for a bit. We're not supposed to have all the answers. We're not supposed to be loved by everybody. They need to know that now. Yeah. Let's catch folks up, Lovey. What is a professional troublemaker? And then what's a rising troublemaker? Yes, a professional troublemaker is ultimately somebody who wants to leave this world better than they found it. You know, somebody who wants to and are willing to do and say the hard things when it's necessary. And it's not always going to be easy, but honestly, usually the times when it's not easy is when it's necessary. So a rising troublemaker is just a young person who has that same kind of lens about how they should move through this world. You're honoring the late civil rights leader and congressman John Lewis, right? Of course, we know he loved to say, get in good trouble, necessary trouble. What's, What's good trouble, lovey? I mean, I think good trouble looks like anything that could lead to positive impact, whether you are sitting in a room challenging an idea thoughtfully, or whether you're having a tough conversation with a friend who you've, you've you know, fallen out with. All of those things that are authentic, genuine, and real are good trouble, you know, and a lot of people think it's just like writing a big check or, you know, donating thousands of hours to a good cause. But I think in our everyday lives, we have a chance to make good trouble. We can um, make sure that the rooms that we are in, we are elevating them because we're in them. I love how rising troublemaker really mirrors professional troublemaker, right? How much of the advice in this teen version of the book did you take from talking to teens today, like so from Gen Z, and how much was drawn from your memory of your experience? You know, I gave them full auntie energy. <laughs> I gave the. I, I well, I mean, you dedicated of, it to your, what, seven nieces and nephews? Yes. Yeah. Because I thought about, you know, who I was back then. What were my pain points? What were my struggles? What are the things that I wish I would have heard that could have made my journey easier? What are the ways that I can affirm them that I wish I would have been affirmed? And I think that's how I wrote it. Because I can't write it from their angle because I'm not them. But I can put myself in their shoes and remember what I dealt with that I can help them with in advance. Last time you were on Reset, we talked about your advice uh, to fail loudly. Remind us what you mean by that. You know, I think to live a world, I mean, to live a life that is of impact of note, you're going to have to do things that might feel risky, which means you're going to have to be willing to fail. When we are constantly afraid of failures, when we don't take the chances, unless we know or guarantee that it's going to go well. So we kind of just have to embrace the fact that failure is the lesson. Failure is part of this life. And we are going to have to be willing to do that for us to be audacious, for us to be authentic, for us to be proud of the lives that we built. I got to get into this. Uh, In the early part of the book, you talk about your too muchness, right? And how we shouldn't let people stifle that too muchness that we have. What does that mean? You know, I think about how oftentimes we we are told that we are too something, you know, whether it's too mouthy or some people have been tall, called too tall. And usually the thing that you're told that you are too much of is something that you can't really fix because it's core to you, right? How do you make yourself less tall or 
then do you just make yourself stop talking in general if you're too mouthy? Right. And I I think about it as like, a lot of the things that people say we are too, whether it's too sensitive, might be our superpowers. And we should lean in, you know, yeah, I was definitely one of the ones called too mouthy growing up. And now I get to make a living um, as a speaker, as a host, as somebody who uses her words mm-hmm. to impact people. So we got to figure out how ways in which we can harness whatever it is that we are too much of or accused of being too much of yeah. for good. How can we do use it in service of others? The word for me that that came up often when I was growing up, it was extra. I'd put my hand up a lot in class. I'd get high grades. I'd win these awards. I started working in TV news. So people would say, oh, here she goes, just being extra. She's so extra. Mm-hmm. I eventually, though, I, I learned to, to embrace it. But it took a while, lovey. It took a while. Because first you, you blame yourself and then you, you try to tone it down. Absolutely. You do try to tone it down because you go, you go, ah, I need to minimize this thing about me. But I think it just needs to be harnessed and pointed and used intentionally. So, you know, a lot of us who were accused of being too something like being too extra, that's passion, that's energy, that is vibrance. So it's interesting, these things, people will love it when it's in service of them, but then they don't love it when it's in service of other people. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's um, a moot point to try to diminish it. Because if we are diminishing ourselves based on people's ideas of who we are supposed to be, we will spend our whole lives in cycles of self-betrayal. I'm going to gift this book, Lovey, to my daughters, right? They're 14 and 15. Mm -hmm. They're just a year apart. But in a lot of ways, they've got these very different personalities, right? And they approach Mm -hmm. life very differently. I already see that. It's, it's, It's interesting to watch. But I also see ways that they can both benefit from your advice, in this book, because I've got one kind of who, who's, I think she's going to need your encouragement to fight fear. Mm. And then the other is like a mini me. So she's sometimes told that she's too much. So how mm. did you, as the writer, kind of make sure you struck that balance? Yeah, it's understanding that we're all different, right? Honoring everything about each of us that makes us different. And to make good trouble, to be a rising troublemaker, to be a professional troublemaker, it's not going to look the same for everybody. You know, some people's superpower is their voice and they get to speak truth to power. Some people's superpower is their collaboration. And they're the people who can have consensus in a room of people who can never agree. There's some people who use empathy as their superpower. Who are the ones you will go to, you know, at a time of need? So I think honoring all of that and knowing that trouble looks different, depend on who, and it's all valid. All of it is valid. So the person who is um, using her empathy is just as strong as a person who is using her voice. I think they're all important. So for both of them, you know, just understanding that, yeah, they are different, but, and how they'll approach life is different, but what they have to know and what they need to know in their core is that they matter in all their differences. So get your money. That that might just be my favorite chapter in this book. <laughs> um, you know, I'm learning as I go right now just how important it is to teach them financial literacy. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to include advice on on saving money and, and credit and negotiating? Yeah, because I feel like we don't tell kids enough about the things that actually do matter. As we're teaching them about, you know, the Pythagorean theorem, right? We're not telling them about like the fact that they're going to have to negotiate their money. I was 28 before I was ever told I was supposed to negotiate anything. Mm. 
Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how did it take me this long to know? And money is a big part of trying to live a free life because the more money you have or the more financially stable that you have, that you are, you can make more choices. So I, we can't, we can't leave money behind in the conversation about them being able to make good trouble because yeah, being able to build wealth, being able to be comfortable financially allows you to be able to use your voice. So if for some reason you lose a job, you won't end up without a home. Right. So we can't leave money behind and we can't think they're too young to talk money. We can talk money with them now. I think we should talk money with them now. Absolutely. I mean, they're watching us and and watching our every move, but at the same time, if they are getting these skills directly and they sort of know how to operate from the get-go, starting with that babysitting job, right? Know your rate, know your worth. Yes. Uh, yes. I think that that's so important. Yes. And uh, we then avoid those days where they find out too late that they've been underpaid, right? That part. Absolutely. And I think especially girls and women, you know, we don't get to get the money conversation in the way boys and, and men do because they are unapologetic about asking for more money. And then we are the ones who are, you know, much into our career and I find out we've never negotiated one offer. Exactly. So it was really important for me to include that piece. It's not a total, it's not a total, like, here's exactly how to do everything, but I wanted to make sure I start putting that in their heads about investing, about how, you know, they can exist in this world and want to use their money for good. You know, earning money is a form of economic justice for women, I think. Well, you're a native Nigerian for those who, you know, may not be aware Right. And the Yoruba tribe's traditional oriki makes another appearance in this book. Yes. Remind us what these statements are and how we can use them to our advantage. Yeah. um, In Yoruba tradition, we have something called noriki, which is ultimately something that praises your destiny, your head. It praises your future and kind of sets a path for you. Sometimes it's a prayer. Sometimes it's a look back at who you are and whose you are. And ultimately, it's this thing that I consider a hype mantra. You know, I think when you hear an Oriki, it makes you feel gassed up. You know, so for those who um, watch Game of Thrones, whenever they introduced uh, Daenerys, how they introduced her was basically an Oriki. Yeah. Like, you know, they called her the, the, the queen of the Andals, the breaker of chains, the mother of dragons. And every time I would hear it, I would be like, yo, I'm gassed up on her behalf. (laughs) So I talk about how it's important for us to have one, create one for yourself, because when the rest of the world is telling you you're not worthy or when people are trying to abuse you or tell you that you are not enough, having something that can reflect you back to you is a gift. Having something that can let you know, like, no, no, no. Who they say you are is not accurate. This is how amazing that you are. You write in the book, uh, when it's my time to leave this earth, I want people to say that the world was a was better because she was here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say that we are better off for, for this knowledge that you're you're spreading, lovey. Mm-hmm. Thank how you. proud how proud is your family right now i'm I'm curious uh, <laughs> you're this you know a little immigrant girl from West Africa. You've accomplished yeah. so much since you uh, emigrated to Chicago? They are really proud. Um, 
Yeah, like they're they're super proud. My family cheers me on. Like my mom, when I video called her about the times that she pulled the book, she was like, I bought the book. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and and I find out from random strangers who she knows, she's so proud of you. You know, my my sister cheers me. My my whole family is super supportive. And, um, you know, it feels good to make them proud. That's wonderful. Is there a specific piece of advice that you you wish you had heard when you were a kid, like if you had your hands on Rising Troublemaker as a child? Yes. Um, we actually did a Rising Troublemaker challenge where we asked people to post a picture of themselves as teenagers and uh, share the advice they would give to their 16-year-old self. The one that I wanted to tell my 16-year-old self that I would tell her is like, yeah, like you do want to help people, but being a doctor is not going to ha- be how you do it. You, you're supposed to use your words Cause I remember like assuming that everybody could write like I did mm-hmm. and not taking the gift seriously. So, and, and not, you know, thinking that there was a clear path to a career as a writer. Wait, so and are you her, referencing a doctor? Because is that what your parents wanted you to be? Oh yeah. You know, as, as Nigerians. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was the go-to. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be a doctor girl. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be the worst doctor ever. <laughs> What would it have meant to you to to have heard this advice at 16? Oh, man, it would have actually allowed me to be open to the possibilities that the career that I would have is not one that everybody else wants me to have. You know, it would have actually given me the permission to break, to disappoint everybody else's dream in order to honor myself. Well, you are continuing to to pass the torch. Congratulations are in order. I know you're now an associate professor at the University of Chicago. Is that right? Yes. Yes. An adjunct professor. Yep. Yep. I, um, I taught my first course. It's a, it's wow. a course on personal branding and storytelling. It is surreal because it's another dream that I had that I thought, you know what, maybe when I'm in my forties, fifties, I'd be able to get it done. So for it to happen now, it was, it's actually wild. And uh, yeah, just grateful for all of it. That's incredible. So what, what is next for you? Are you going for a four Pete on, on the bestseller list? Maybe? I am. <laughs> I knew you would say I that. Am. I, I have my, um, I have a book that is going to be coming out, but I'm, I, I can't announce it yet. But um, oh, come on. I'm excited. <laughs> Can you give us a hint about what it's about, maybe? Um, let's just say it's about a little version of me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Little Lovey. Little Lovey. That's author Lovey Ajayi Jones. Her new book, Rising Troublemaker, a Fear Fighter Manual for Teens, is out now. Lovey, it's been such a pleasure. Thanks for talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for today's Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a rating and tell your friends. We drop an episode every weekday afternoon and sometimes on Saturdays, too. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll meet again tomorrow.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.